Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. In this episode, Janine Waddell, Managing Director of Northern Irish Indie Waddell Media, explains how the firm finished a new South Africa set wildlife series for the UK's Channel 4 amid lockdown and is continuing to produce others, even without the guarantee of insurance. Anne Rhoda Bobal from Belgian Progco Neverending Story tells us how the firm created a digital interface that allowed one of the nation's longest-running game shows to remain on air with studio contestants beaming in from their homes instead. But first, Rianne Bester, Chief Executive of Insight TV, speaks about how the Netherlands-based 4K broadcaster has adapted to the pandemic, placing greater emphasis on acquisitions and developing shows for filming in countries emerging first from production shutdown. Rianne also talks about how the company aired the One World Together at Home concert in Ultra AD and shot a live set from superstar DJ Martin Garrix aboard a yacht travelling the Dutch waterways while ensuring social distancing. Here he is, talking to Ed Waller. The pandemic has definitely had an impact on us like it has on everybody else. The reality is that the TV industry has been in a state of flux since its inception, really. But it's really been the last few years with digital and over the top coming into play that's really brought in a big state of uncertainty for us all. And this is really just the cherry on top. You know, uh, I think it's really stretched everybody to think of how they do things, both operationally and strategically. Um, But I think we're used to adapting. And uh, we've done a lot of changes in this period of time because it's been necessary. It ranges from very basic things. Meetings is, is, is one of the areas where we've seen some efficiency. You know, meetings tend to take shorter now. On the downside, I think the strategic discussions are much more difficult to have. You know, I wouldn't say impossible, but they are much more difficult to have. You simply do not get that same energy as what you can create when you've got people in a room huddled around a whiteboard and brainstorming. And, and those things are challenging. I would hate to think what it would be like to start a business from scratch in this environment. I simply think it wouldn't be possible. What steps have you taken specifically to mitigate the impact of the pandemic? We've had to change workflows completely. Our schedulers all work from home. Pretty much everything is business as usual. You know, we've had some challenges with with key roles. For instance, edit sets cannot be taken home. This is not just a laptop. This is very powerful infrastructure. And for those things, we've had to make some exceptions and we've created some new tools and ways of dealing with those things. But uh, overall, we've we've adapted. And from an operational point of view and steering the business, I think we're, you know, on the phone or on in infrastructure like this pretty much all the time. We're continuing to talk. And I think that's that's the communication is what's critical right now is to stay in sync. And it is a challenge. Insight TV operates in, I think, 28 territories. Has the impact differed and varied depending on which market you operate in? Um, I wouldn't say so. You know, if I look from a revenue perspective and from a sales perspective, of course, it's become a lot more challenging. You know, on the one hand, to get hold of people and to get them to pay attention to your story has been increasingly more difficult. On the other hand, it's also opened up new opportunities in, in some territories for us where we've not 
had contact or struggled to build a relationship with with broadcasters or platforms. Uh, and I'll I'll give one example. All live sports has basically come to a grinding halt, and this has given us an opportunity to build relationships with some of these sport broadcasters to help them fill those holes in their schedule with some of our great storytelling sports-related content. So this has been a, a positive thing for us as well. But I think overall, if you look at revenue from advertising, be it on linear or on the digital streaming side or or on the AVOD side, that revenue has come down. I think that's pretty pretty universal. Although the viewing rates have gone up, everybody's talking about everybody watching more. But the reality is that the ad spend has dried up. So you still need the ad spend <laughs> even if you've got more eyeballs. You know, it's unfortunately it's a multiplication. And uh, that sum doesn't give a bigger result just because you've got more eyeballs. If the if the ad spend goes down, the overall equation has a smaller answer. I'm very interested in the specific genres that have become more popular or less popular from your output of programming during lockdown? During lockdown, obviously, all productions came to a halt. We've got some very interesting new projects that we were about to start, which obviously came to a grinding halt. We're doing a a very interesting show around uh, women's football that, you know, we haven't, it was still in the pre-production phase and we were eager to get that going as soon as we can. But for now, it's, it's stopped. So we really looked at interesting ways that we can still bring new things to our viewers during this period of time. And the first thing we did was when the the One World Together at Home concert was announced, we, we jumped on that and and we were obviously one of many broadcasters around the world that brought that to our viewers and we took it to them both on our traditional broadcast linear services, but also on, on our digital avenues, both on our uh, VOD service, but also on our digital linear services. And we, we finally also made that available in 4K on our, on our platform as well as on our uh, UAG channels. And I think we were the only one in the world to do that. So, you know, we are trying to keep that innovative spirit and uh, and bringing new things to our viewers alive. And here in the Netherlands, um, we had a, an event with Martin Garrix, which was called Live on the Dutch Waters. He did a gig basically from a yacht traveling through some of the lakes here in the center of the country. And uh, together with one of our production partners, the, the idea was hatched. We could put him on a boat, obviously, you know, there's only allowed a number of people allowed on the boat, but we could spread the crew across different boats. And then obviously, with him being probably one of the most renowned DJs in the world, it did attract other boats. And soon there was a small following. And we did something pretty spectacular being shot in 4K UHD uh, with drones, a helicopter and multiple cameras from different boats. And the result was was really breathtaking. So something we're really proud of. Are there any other new productions or innovative ways you've dealt with the production lockdown to keep your schedules fresh? Currently, you know, obviously we're we're looking at uh, uh, acquisitions to keep our our schedules fresh. But we've also 
spent this time a lot more on development. So we're we're doing a lot of development right now. And we're also looking where parts of the world are opening up for production. You know, we're in discussion right now to look at possibly something in Asia, because some of the parts of Asia are coming out of lockdown faster than, than here. One of the big platforms are resuming shooting in Iceland. And, you know, so we're saying, you know, is this another area where we could look at? We're actually starting to to develop new formats or or content based on location first which is which is different than you would normally go about but saying we can shoot there so can we come up with something that fits the location or bring something new based on that location what are the legal issues or the other issues and challenges that are going to need to be addressed before production can resume i think it will be different in each country which is a challenge for us you know we we always like to produce our shows across the world to give them uh, an, an international flavor if you look at some of our shows in the past uh, something like MTV Euros, you know, that was shot in Madagascar, South Africa, Brazil, Canada, Norway. I can go on, you know, and and all of these countries will have different restrictions. So we will have to be very careful to come up with new ideas and looking where we can shoot. You know, I think it's very uncertain for everyone right now, and, and we can only guess. So we're, we're looking at, you know, logically where things are freeing up already, and trying to to navigate that way as to say what can we shoot next you spoke about how the pandemic has changed your acquisition strategy could you talk through that for us please we will have to do more acquisitions than we normally do to keep our schedules fresh we do want to do that and we we owe it to our viewers to do that and the only way to do it is to to look at acquisitions it's very challenging for us because we have probably one of the highest specs uh, when it comes to the technical specifications of our UHD 4K content. So it is challenging. And then obviously we have a strong brand identity and, and what we would like to put on the channel. So it's not just finding any 4K content and saying, let's slap it on there. It has to be aligned with our target audience and, and has to be true to our brand. And that makes it quite challenging. Are there any particular shows or genres that you're looking to acquire from the international market right now? It doesn't really matter what it is from a genre perspective. If I can give some examples of our previous shows, if you take a concept like Street Art Challenge, one of our shows that we did, if you look at the concept of street art, street art is universal. If you go to Tokyo or Sao Paulo or London or New York, you will find street art and it is a growing trend. And it's if you talk about real street art, it is relevant and important to that audience. And and those are the type of topics that we look for. It has to have a universal appeal because our channel is broadcast, as you rightfully said, all around the globe. And we do not produce something only for a specific market. And just lastly, do you think the impact of the the lockdown is going to be confined to the period of the lockdown or or is it going to precipitate long-term change in not just the industry but consumer behavior i do think there will be long-term effects because of this i think production is like steering an oil tanker it takes a you know time to
to prepare. And I think it's not like the moment we come out of lockdown, you can pull the trigger and start production. So I think from that perspective, the hangover will last uh, a while longer before everything comes back up to speed. I think from a, a, a usage point of view, obviously usage will go back to normal as people are not at home as much as they are right now. I think a lot of people are discovering new channels and like ours, and hopefully that will create a new, larger, loyal base that will remain with us after the lockdown. You know, people are having more time to discover and explore new content, which they wouldn't have had before. Rian Bester from Insight TV. The UK's Channel 4 has been among the nation's hardest hit broadcasters with director of programmes Ian Katz warning recently that producers will have to get used to making shows on tighter budgets as its advertising revenues plunge. Northern Ireland's Waddell Media won a commission for a South Africa set wildlife series called Work on the Wild Side which began airing on the network in daytime recently. Managing director Janine Waddell told Clive Whittingham how the series was completed under lockdown and received an additional primetime order, in part due to its efficient economics. She also talks about a series she's making for the BBC, but without the safety net of pandemic-proof insurance. Here's Janine, discussing first work on the wild side. We started filming last April, so I had several crews, small self-shooting crews, dotted across Africa. We were in the kind of Kruger area and then the Eastern Cape, where we had some British bets, and then down in the Western Cape, a place called Hands By, doing some short stuff for sharks. So it was a really exciting series to make. And we were just finishing it. I'd gone out in February, actually, to go around all the charities because we're working with charities and vets to talk to them all about the series and do some final pickup interviews whenever kind of lockdown happened. We'd done all the main filming. We'd cut quite a lot of the films as we went along. We hadn't really got into the final stitch of the show. So, yeah, whenever lockdown happened, we had to work out how to do this. And luckily, we've got a fantastic editor called David Stevens, who is so on it. I, don't, I just don't think we could have done this without him. He's now working remotely in Donegal. Now, Donegal is remote anyhow, but actually he happens to live there. He moved there from England. So he's working very remotely in Donegal. The series producer at Lee Salisbury, who actually we couldn't have got through this without him because he is super organized. He's based in Leeds. So he's in Leeds. I'm in Hollywood County Down. The online editor is here. The dubbing mixer is in Surrey. Greg James is doing the voiceover. And we have to send the rig into his home in London. So the voiceover rig. So it is unbelievably complicated, but we just have to keep calm and get through it. It's an absolute jigsaw, but we've kind of cracked it now, to be honest. And it just means a lot of extra viewings. You know, you're trying to view remotely and then sometimes your internet goes down. It's really frustrating. You can't always see it on a big screen. So sometimes we try and collectively watch it together. But we get there. It takes a little bit longer. But we're actually nine episode 19. So that's really exciting. 19 of 20. Well, that's on the off uh, on the stitch. We haven't we're only on about 14 in the kind of final post. So it is exciting. And then Channel 4 came to us and said, well, we actually really like this. I, I always felt this is a series that could sit in peak. And they said, oh, could you make us 10 half hours for peak? as well so that was something that's kind of come out of this i mean i i had always that was always an aspiration for the show but um we're now cutting the peak 10 half hours as well so obviously the big uh, big international project the filming anyway moving forwards how do you see things for your production company once lockdown is because international travel feels like a, a big no-no for, for quite some time is it changing your future yeah. plans and what you're pitching 
Yes, a lot of our stuff did involve international travel. But actually, for work in the wild side, whenever I was out in South Africa in February, I was working with a couple of cameramen that we picked up along the way, South African cameramen. And I wanted to go out and actually meet them to see, because the, the, the stuff was really good, and I wanted to see how they work. And there's a guy there called James Boone, who's worked on, he does a US survivor, and he does uh, amazing race around the world. And he came out in the shoot with me, and he is fantastic. So actually, I feel... Because our British our British contributors are there anyhow. I feel we could actually start filming with two crews I know that I absolutely trust in South Africa. We could start again without us having to be there. We could, you know, if, if they were interested, we could start filming again quite soon. Is that is that going to be the new normal rather than flying your own camera crews to places, you know, building relationships with local crews? Is that is that a way around this? Well, I think it really depends. If you really, really know the crew well, it's a really big ask get someone to do that and I was lucky because I spent two weeks on the road 24-7 with these people so I got to know them really well and you do need to know them and they need to understand how British television works I think to make sure that that would work but certainly you know we're talking we're talking about a project in LA that we might try and do the same thing with as well at the moment we can't I think what we can't do is not have the aspiration to do what we were doing it's just when and we do have contacts with crews around the world and it's finding the right people in the right places I think and then you could probably do it. I mean, every day, anyhow, the crews in South Africa were having to call Lee, the series producer, at the end of the day, and they discussed plans, how the stories were developing. They sent massive notes through. So I, I'm pretty confident we could do that series that way again. When the lockdown all started in the in the UK and, and Ireland, there was a lot of talk about quick turnaround clip shows, quick turnaround archive shows, shows filmed on Zoom, shows filmed on Skype. There's been varying degrees of success and failure in that. Were you tempted to go down that line were you pitching stuff like that in lockdown? Yes, of course. We were. And when the work on the wild side recommission came out of that, uh, the, the, the peak time cuts. So we were definitely looking at that. And we've just won some business with BBC Northern Ireland. But it's not to feel like a lockdown show. We had we pitched it both ways. Um, but as the things are starting to lift, we're actually, um, and today's our second day of filming, a cookery show. You know, we find an amazing kitchen to shoot in. It's a, a convinced a show home to lend us their home. They might regret that at the end of this, or my budget might regret it. So we've got safe distancing. We've got six cameras in there with one operator and a sound person and a home economist. as minimal, minimal crew in there as possible. And we're shooting that at the moment. I mean, it's challenging. And, you know, the, the thing about the lockdown is some people are more fussy than others. And it's all very personal. What I noticed yesterday, some people are more relaxed and some people are really uptight about it. So it's just having to respect everyone and, and muddle your way through it. That sounds like quite a quick turnaround from pitch to, to filming. Is that a product of the lockdown that this development process has just gone? People are like, yes, let's have it. BBC Northern Ireland opened up a, they normally would have had a traditional um, a commissioning round at this time. So they opened up a quick, a quick round. And I think it's going to go out in June, actually. So I've got an editor starting on Monday. So it was a really fast turnaround for us. But you know, I'm determined that we're going to keep going, and we need to. We, normally, we'd be out filming. Normally, for us, the spring and summer would be our busiest filming time. We were doing several series for RTE that we had to just put in hiatus. Does it, will they come back, or are they? Well, or? one's about the hotel industry, and I'm not so sure. Well, it'll come back in a very different form if it comes back. But you know, we were just about to start filming on the 23rd of March. It was so frustrating, and everyone was ready, and it was just 
heartbreaking for everyone involved and all that prep that went into it. So we just don't know when we'll get to that again. So, I mean, I know it's difficult because things change week to week, day to day almost. But what, what's your business plan moving through the rest of 2020? How do you see things going for your company and also the production industry in general? Northern Ireland's got a really supportive screen agency, Northern Ireland Screen. And recently they put out uh, a notice to help production companies for a development slate funding. So actually we, and they, that's been, we, we got greenlit last week for that. So that's allowed me to continue on with my development. So one thing I haven't cut any corners on is our development. We are just full tilt. Anyone who's working in development is working full tilt in development because that is the engine room of this business. And if we take our foot off that, then, then we won't be here. So we are continuing to develop and hope that we win business as it comes through. We're constantly talking to all the commissioners, as everyone is, on Zoom and whatever way. A lot of them just don't know, a lot of the broadcasters don't know what they want or what tariff they want it. We're getting quite a lot of calls for some of our back catalogue from the broadcasters. So trying to do a few deals with them, you know, because they offer a price and kind of go, I'm not so sure. (laughs) I find that you can haggle a bit uh, because what's the worst? They can come back and you can ultimately say, yes, okay, you can have it for that. So we're doing a bit of haggling, you know, but we're determined that we will ride through this. It's not easy. You mentioned the funds there in Northern Ireland. What have you made of the the help that's been available from government? You know, the whole furloughing of employees and all of the all of this stuff. Has that been adequate? Has that reassured you as a company owner? What do What do you think? It's reassured us. It's certainly been helpful. I think we've furloughed maybe about six or seven staff. And that is kind of, you know, it's given a guarantee to those people to come back. Certainly, I wouldn't have been in a position to be able to make them all redundant. That would have been really expensive for us. So the furloughing, it's not ideal. Listen, it's not, it's really not ideal. But it's giving them something and it's giving us something to keep going. And I'm just desperate to get everyone back to normal as quickly as possible. One of the other things that's come up when we've been talking to production companies is this issue around insurance, whether insurance companies are going to take pandemic out of the policies. And if you're out filming and there's another lockdown, you're on your own kind of thing. Is that is is that a concern? Yeah, it's a total concern. I mean, we've, I've absolutely got that at the moment, you know, when, it, when we're out filming and we had that conversation, the BBC just kind of put their fingers in the ears. They didn't really want to hear it because they're not going to cover us. So we've taken that risk to go ahead. And, you know, as we're not filming abroad and we're quite close by, we could stop production if we had to and pick it up again. If our host became ill, we could probably replace, you know, the crew and other people. But we'll probably have to put everyone in isolation, to be honest, if someone got sick in the, on the team. So these are things, yeah, it's a, the, the whole insurance thing is a nightmare and we're going to have to figure a way out for everyone. But going forward and on other productions, I don't know how we're going to manage with that, really. Oh, that's interesting. Is, is, it, is it just going to be another, because product, television production, very risky business anyway, is it just going to be another risk that you have to accept or are you going to be less ambitious in what you plan? You know, we can't really go there because of the insurance issue. I don't think we can think we're not going to be ambitious. I think we've just got to be clever and think of a workaround. What's the, you know, if you're always working and I always kind of work from this way, what's the worst situation we could get ourselves in? How would we unpick ourselves from that nightmare? Uh, and then we'll kind of uh, make a plan, plan A and plan B, and often you end up in plan C. So we'll, we'll make a plan. But, we, you know, we do need to get the insurance companies or the broadcasters need to support us in this. There needs to be some sort of contingency for this happening. Ian Katz, Channel 4, seem to be having it toughest. You, you've got business with Channel 4. I think he said, we're going to have to make some television for tariffs lower than we've ever made television before. Does that 
sort of put the fear of God into companies that work for them or is it is this just you know do you just have to find the uh, find a way through you know what being based in Northern Ireland and making for programs for BBC Northern Ireland or RTE sometimes we're used to delivering so actually it should be quite good for us we're used to delivering quality programs at that tariff and you know that big series we shot in South Africa it looks I have to say even though I'm saying it myself I know it does look amazing and we made that in a daytime tariff so I, I, I feel you know, it's not ideal. It's really not ideal, but I feel we can, we can do it. We're in a good position to do that. Janine Waddell from Waddell Media. Setons Seon, or 71 in English, is one of Belgium's longest-running daily game shows, but the format, which usually relies on reams of studio-based contenders, was in danger of seeing its 17-year run on RTL-TVI ending prematurely as a result of social distancing restrictions. But producer Neverending Story acted swiftly to put in place a digital interface that allowed it to continue, and the company now hopes to take both the format and its virtual studio setup elsewhere. Sales representative Anne Rhoda Bobol told Carolina Kaminska how things developed. We have been very lucky that we had shot quite a lot of episodes of uh, 71, Septantia, beforehand. And so we had two months worth of stock. It's a daily show that shows uh, are transmitted pre-watershed every weekday. So we had quite a big stock. So during this time uh, it was on air, we had the time to think about the new situation, the crisis in front of us and think about what challenge was in front of us. And that's how we thought of developing this new interface. It is a massive challenge because of the game. The game is you have 71 contestants, one being the main one and 70 being against this one. And then you have the presenter, of course, and it's a quiz show. The 70 other players usually were in the studio in a sort uh, sitting in a sort of arena. Now they are at home and we have devised this new digital interface so they can play as if they were in the studio. So uh, once the filming begins, we have the remote players receiving the live image of the set, also the questions, and as well as the instruction of the warm-up guy, because uh, we thought it was really important to keep a lively audience. And so we have devised this huge digital display that recreates the stand where uh, the contestant were sitting before. And then in the studio, we have the presenter and we have uh, the main contestant. So that's how it works. You can hear all the sounds from 70 people all together at home. So it was quite a big challenge. So have you had to alter the concept of the format in any way in order to digitally produce the show? Well, actually, this was one of the main things for us. We didn't want to alter the concept of the show at all. It's been, I mean, 71 has been on air for 17 years on RTL. It's such an important game show for them. It's the backbone of, uh, of the schedule, really. And so the viewers of RTL would have been so disappointed if we were to change 
change anything. So that was the main challenge. So we didn't change anything into how the game is played. The only thing is that the 70 other players are now remote or home players, if you want. But we wanted more than anything to keep the atmosphere. And what we've decided is to keep the warm-up guy and to have a lot of warm-up. And so on their screen, they have a little display with information or they can see the warm-up guy telling them what to do, when to shout, when to have fun. And they worked a lot with them. So we keep the same fun atmosphere of the game. And if you see the show, it really has the same feeling. And so what would you say were the biggest challenges when producing the format in this way? I think the biggest challenges was really to have 70 people really at home playing and having fun. You know, when we're doing Zoom meeting and we or Zoom drinks, we might be a few of us only. And then suddenly we can't hear anything anymore because everybody's talking over each other. So there was a lot of prepping, really, and a lot of work for the sound engineer, really, because uh, we had to make sure that the sound was clear when uh, the home contestants were playing or were asked to talk. We had to make sure also that what we would see of their house would nice enough or the, the light was nice, for example, or they could be seen nicely. So there was a lot, a lot of preparation. And of course, we worked really hard with a software developer and a post-production company as well to make sure that everything was functioning because having 70 people playing in the same time as they were in the studio is not completely easy. So we had to to work together as a team to make sure it does work. All the questions, all the answers were recorded correctly. Immediately, we could see who was staying in the game, who had given bad replies and would leave the game. So uh, this was a big challenge as well. And now that you've established this new digital interface, what kind of opportunities does producing the show in this way present for future productions? Uh, I'm working with the CEO of Never Ending Story, Xavier Debatti. We're already in development for other programs using the same technology. I feel we, it opens Pandora's box and there's so much to explore about this new way of working. As long as we have people at home who are asked to interact really with people on the set, we can use this technology. You know, we could even use it for, I don't know, a show like All Together Now, for example. So there's multiple aspects and also never ending story, apart from producing its own program for the Belgium channels. I was also being working as an exec producer for other producers, like we did for years, we did come dine with me for the French channel MCs. So we hope that this new interface, this new digital interface, this new technology will open more opportunities to work with producers and uh, those producers that want to benefit from our know-how. We've been approached already by several territories that firstly understand French to start with because it had, hadn't been translated at the time. So hopefully, very good news soon. And overall, how has the coronavirus pandemic impacted NeverEnding Story? 
story. Of course, we had some shows that had been delayed, uh, but nothing was, I mean, uh, nothing completely on hold. I think we are set to come back uh, on some of the productions quite soon. What what this crisis has proven to us is we can push ourselves to our limit, really. And uh, in effect, it has quite a positive effect because we created something we didn't know we were able to. And also in other genres and the game show, Never Ending Story is really well known also for factual entertainment. And we're starting a new production these days with families. I can't say much about it right now, but it's safe to shoot because it's one family at the time and it's safe to shoot right now. And during the coronavirus crisis, we also completed uh, a series that has been known also for a few years in Belgium. It's following the life of a very well-known Belgium zoo. And this, uh, we finalized the filming during uh, the coronavirus. I mean, the, vi- um, the crisis has made, uh, made us change our priorities in terms of shooting, has delayed some, but nothing has been cancelled. And we see great possibility with this new digital interface that we have devised. And Rhoda Bobal from NeverEnding Story. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.